Hey, hey, hey. Welcome to part one of our four-part sales and marketing game changers mini-series. Welcome to Manufacturing Happy Hour, the podcast where we get real about the latest trends and technologies impacting modern manufacturers. Manufacturing Happy Hour. Each week, we interview industry experts that are at the top of their craft and give you the tools, tactics, and strategies you need to take your career and your business to the next level. And now, your host, Chris Lukey. Hey, what's up, folks? And welcome to another bonus mini-series here on Manufacturing Happy Hour. This is the second time we've done something like this. Some of you might remember back here in spring of 2020, we did a four-part series around cybersecurity, and this time, we're going to be focused on sales and marketing strategies. I'll be releasing these episodes every Friday throughout the month of September 2020. And the first thing you should know is that these are going to be very different from typical episodes of Manufacturing Happy Hour. Specifically, I'm usually not going to be the host. What I've done for these episodes is I've teamed up with five other B2B sales and marketing experts to bring you four different panel discussions around sales and marketing strategies for the current times, for the now, whatever you want to call it. We'll get you introduced to all of them in just a second, but first, this is what you can expect from today's episode. This one is going to be focused around sales and marketing that's seen heard, and felt. And what this means is we're going to be talking about it from an effectiveness standpoint. The first thing we'll do is we'll debunk some myths and misperceptions around marketing before talking about what effective marketing looks like today. And we'll wrap with some actions you can take right now to make your marketing more impactful. As I mentioned, I'm teaming up with five of my peers for these episodes, so if you hear any resources in these episodes or you want to connect with anyone that's on the show, make sure to check out the show notes page for these episodes. You can get to them at manufacturinghappyhour.com slash game changers. And since this is such a unique format, after you listen, I'd love if you sent a tweet to MFG Happy Hour on Twitter to give your feedback, or if you get something out of it, share your biggest takeaway from these episodes. Again, that's MFG Happy Hour on Twitter. Would love to hear what you think over there on social media. And since these are long episodes, I'm not going to waste any more time with this introduction. Let's get right into the conversation. My friend Ben Baker is going to be host this week, and he's going to get you introduced to the rest of the panelists. Let's get rolling. Hi, everybody. My name is Ben Baker, and welcome to The Game Changers. This is a four-part series that's going to be happening through the month of August, you know, all over North America. It is amazing. We have minds here that span North America from Canada, the U.S., from the East Coast to West, and we want to talk to you about marketing. That's what this is all about. It's all about sales and marketing. Where are we going from here? And what I want to do, first of all, is I want to bring on everybody. I want to let everybody introduce themselves because... Within this room, we've got over 100 years of experience. We've got people that have written you know, the blog, have the video, got the T-shirt, followed down the hole, figured their way out of it more times than you can imagine. So let's introduce the gang. Then we're going to sit down, and every week we're going to sit down and we're going to talk about a different piece of marketing and marketing strategy. And the key thing is, how do we make you better? How do we give you the tools so you can be better, so you can figure out where are you and where are you going and how to get there? So let's start with Queen B. Allison, it's always ladies first. You are the impetus. You are the woman that brought us all together. So Allison DeFord, you get the mic first. Tell us a little bit about yourself, and then we're going to let the rest of this Motley crew have their shot. Uh, well, thank you, Ben. Uh, my name is Allison DeFord. I founded an agency called Felt Marketing. We are the only retrofit company for manufacturers that I know of since 1994. And I think the real strength we have is helping you get to the heart of your ideal customer. So it's a little unconventional than your run-of-the-mill marketing agency. 
And I think uh, with that, I'll just pass the torch to uh, Mr. Zaganto. There we go. Ray, you are All up. right. Thanks, Allison. Appreciate it. I'm Ray Zaganto. I am the manufacturing unicorn. I've uh, lived and breathed manufacturing my entire career all over the world. All uh, 10 years it, of it, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> it's like dog years. <laughs> but uh, it is it is my passion. I am the, uh, the founder of Lenara International. Uh, and what we do is help companies of all types and sizes find out again what it is that, the, that is really cool and what's possible for them. Then I roll up my sleeves and we get in there and we go make it happen. I'm also the proud co-host of MFG Out Loud, uh, the podcast that uh, has the courageous conversations for the manufacturing community. And I am so thrilled and honored to be in the company of this crew today. And with that, I'm going to send it over to Mr. Mark Mitchell. Hello. So uh, I'm Mark Mitchell from uh, Wizard Strategy. Um, we are a consulting firm that specializes in helping companies in the building materials industry, who is extremely, extremely dependent on a complicated distribution channel in which you have decision makers and influencers and you can think you've made a sale, but you really didn't. And uh, so that's, that's the area that I really focus on is helping building material manufacturers to, to grow their sales or get them unstuck when they're having a challenge or a problem. Uh, I'm also the, uh, I, I'm, I'm so good at it, I actually wrote a book. So I don't, my <laughs> high school English teacher would never believe it, but I, I wrote a book about building material channel marketing. And I have a, a weekly newsletter uh, about building material issues and a podcast and a blog. So you can uh, go to my website, see the wizard.com which is spelled w-h-i-z-a-r-d and um, there's a lot of great free content there for you awesome how about mark roberts you know let's let's hear from you now hi everybody my name is mark roberts um, i founded otb solutions back in 2000 and my focus my passion is improving sales effectiveness and what's ironic is for years people have paid me to fix sales problems. Matter of fact, if you Google that, you'll find me. It's usually ranked number one on, on Google. But the way I fix them typically is with marketing. So I look forward to participating in this and answering questions as they come in. Awesome. Phenomenal. Chris, you're up. All right, I'll pick up the caboose here. And first of all, I'll say I always love crashing parties where I shouldn't be at. So I love uh, being part of this uh, prestigious group. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me a part of the crew. Um, but what I will say is uh, by day, I'm an account manager at Rockwell Automation. I serve the high tech industry here in Northern California. As a result of this, I'm a big advocate of individual contributors and salespeople serving as marketers within their organization. I think marketing is a team sport. It's not just limited to someone with that title. And I breathe that, live and breathe that through my nighttime activity, which is hosting Manufacturing Happy Hour. It's a podcast where my guests and I take on the biggest trends and technologies coming up in the manufacturing sector over a cold one, preferred uh, through interviews with leaders in this industry. So excited to be here today. Ben, excellent intro. We're excited to have you taken us through today's conversation. Thanks, everybody. Now, my name is Ben Baker, and the you know we'll, we'll get into this for a bit, but give you a little bit of hint about myself as, as we get into this. My company is called Your Brand Marketing, and what I do for a lot of companies is we are a podcast host for hire. What we do is we create, host, and distribute custom podcasts for brands to be able to tell their story from a 360-degree point of view. So we interview your employees, your strategic partners, your vendors, your clients, and be able to get an understanding of who you truly are, what you do, why you do it, why you're valuable to people and where you're going. And people use this information for training both inside the company and marketing outside the company. It builds insights, it cements relationships, and allows you to engage people. So this is the gang. This is who's gonna be around for the next four weeks. And the first question I wanna ask, and I'm gonna to toss this one out to Mark Mitchell. We'll, we'll start with Mark and we'll, we'll go around the room. What do you think is the biggest misconception about marketing today? Well, from my perspective, which is building materials industry, who's 10 years behind the rest of the world, 
in terms of things that 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 uh, the, in the worst case they kind of view marketing as a tactical solution. They rarely go to marketing and say, we're having a problem. Can you help us develop a strategy? They go, oh, a new website. Yep, that, that, that'll fix it, right? Well, let's go to this trade show. Let's uh, need a new brochure, right? And so they, the, the biggest uh, issue to me is they think they're marketing, but they're really jumping to the tactic and, and then producing that. And then the, the final part is they rely, they don't believe marketing is measurable. They'll rely on anecdotal information like the president really likes the new website so that makes it a success okay um so that's you know that that's my answer to it from my perspective and i think a lot of manufacturers fit into the same thing that the building materials industry does um it, it, we're not apple we're not nike we're not procter and gamble when it comes to marketing yeah, and that's important for people to know is, is it can't just be Apple, Nike, and IBM that's spending the time doing great marketing. Every company does because it's not just the short-term sales, it's long-term relationships. And that's what marketing does. Marketing allows us to build clientele, cement relationships, add value, allow other people to tell our story for us. And you're right, there's a lot of misconceptions about what marketing truly is. A lot of people think it's advertising. Mm -hmm. And it's it marketing and advertising are, are completely different. So Allison, I want you to chime in on this. Well, <clears throat> many of the manufacturers that I have interacted with, especially if you are, I'm gonna say late 50s and older, I think it's, think it's advertising uh, and think it's like Mad Men. And the thing that I've actually had more than one person lean in and whisper and say, I really don't understand how all this works, all this new stuff, and it scares me. And I thought, what a revelation. Thank you for being honest. So I think my misconception, I think that is, uh, that troubles me the most that I would like to help course correct is that marketing used to be done at you, right? And now really good and effective marketing is done for you and because of you. So it's a completely different way to approach it to get really different results. So expand on that for me. You know, give me a little bit idea of what, what you mean about for you and with you. So it's, when we're getting into that because you're right, we've gone from a world of push mm -hmm. to a world of conversation, but I want, I want you to expand on that. Well, if for, okay, here's, here's just a simple example because I can, you know, go down a rabbit hole with this. So I'll keep it, I'll keep it brief. Take your website, for example. Okay. It, and, and I know Mark Mitchell and I have had numerous conversations about this. Um, if you look at the majority of websites today, and I can, I'll just refer to manufacturers because that's the, you know, the sandbox where I play. Sure. Majority of them, you'll see the word we. We do this. We look like this. We believe this. If you are a truly customer-centric company and you exist for your customers, right, to solve their problem and your marketing is, is made for them and because of them, it's going to say you, we see you, you have this problem and this is how you can have a better business or a better life or build a better wall. It's, um, it's so I think it's really about flipping it. Mm -hmm. And, and I've said this to clients numerous times and I always get the same look and I love it. They'll say, well, what do we want to say? And I say, well, let's slow down how do you want them to feel? And they look at me like, what? <laughs> how do you want them to feel when they see this ad or this um, website page or this tweet? How do you want them to feel? If you know how you want somebody to feel, then you can reverse engineer it and create the content, the dialogue, the messaging, the, 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 uh, the way that you work with your sales team, right? Your internal culture, it's all connected because of the customer. So I love it. It's, it's inviting your customer into the conversation. Right. Chris, 
I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Yeah, so for the folks that aren't watching the video, if they're listening just on audio, so I'm about to do some air quotes, but the line that B2B is different is one of the biggest misconceptions I come across where, you know, we were talking about the examples of Nike, like it's not just a B2C shoe company that's responsible for doing good marketing. If a company wants to grow and scale, every company needs that type of good marketing. I recently had a guest on Manufacturing Happy Hour to kind of prove this point. I brought someone in from the beer industry, which is very much B2C. You're selling beer to a consumer. And his, his quote was perfect. He's like, you know what? I feel like too many times we're talking like robots to robots. Really, it's, got, it's just got to be people to people at the end of the day. And this will go into a theme I'm going to talk about a couple times today, I'm sure. And that's really humanizing a marketing effort within inside of the B2B space. You know, I'm going to connect with a brand. For example, me being in the manufacturing space, I'm going to connect with a brand a whole lot more if I see a picture of one of their employees out in the field, whether that's at a chemical plant, in the oil field, on the manufacturing floor, you know, sharing a story about that person, why they love what they do, why they love working for that company. I'm going to connect with that a whole lot more than I would with, say, a picture of a widget that that company makes, for example. So my biggest misconception is debunk, like, or trying to debunk that myth that marketing for B2B is different than B2C. Sure, there are some you know little things here and there, but at the end of the day, people of people is the big message. Yeah, I mean, I, I love that because whether it's business to consumer to B2C or B2B with business to business, really it's human to human. Mm -hmm. It's H to H, you know, mm -hmm. because we're all buying from people. It's all about trust. We're in the trust economy. You know, people don't buy widgets anymore. They, they buy trust. They, they say, can this person take care of me? Can they solve the problem that they have? Can they make my life easier? And that trust is built because of human relationships, not because of, you know, you're 50 cents cheaper, not because you're, you know, you happen to be in the same town as somebody else. It has to do with the fact that you relate to these people and you connect with these people on a human to human basis. So I love that. Absolutely love that. Ray. First off, I want to make it clear that if you're anything lower than the first or second person to respond to a question here, you're screwed. All the really good, the good stuff gets gets sucked out. I mean, well, like we'll, we'll let you start next time, okay? You get you know, the next one. Quit your lighting. Quit your lighting. You know what? You'll get your turn. <laughs> so, hey, um, love what everybody's uh, said so far. The, the number one misconception I bump into time and time again is we don't need marketing because our salespeople have the relationship with our customers. That's, and as long as we have that, we're good. You know, we, we know what's going on. And it's like, my gosh, uh, been at this long enough to recognize that, well, yeah, 20, 30 years ago, that was the, the point of the relationship where, where that interface happened, but along came technology and, and everything else. And so much, you know, Allison shared a number of times before, what, 70% of the, the research and effort that goes into making a, a decision about sourcing with a, with a company happens before they even reach out. So exactly. how, much, how much of this conversation is happening outside of your sales team, your field sales team, unless you've re-engineered that, you know, in today's world. So, uh, no, while I don't uh, diminish the importance of the rapport that you're, that anybody in your company has that, that is in contact and, and uh, facing, customer facing, um, marketing is mission critical. It is mission critical. It is it is not optional. It is uh, it is not something that you can get to someday or applies somewhere else. And chances are you're probably way underinvested in it right now and not getting the results that you should. So, uh, my two cents. I love it. Two cents, and that's real U.S. pennies. You know, being <laughs> north, you know, being it's north of the border up in Canada, it's you know, it's we we don't uh, we don't get the full two cents worth. We're only about one point eight cents or something like that. <laughs> Mark, you get the rebuttal on this because you're this, our sales guru. So that's right. So I want to I want to hear your thoughts on this. Well, marketing, good marketing, creates a tremendous amount of value. Um, nothing frustrates me more than when I work with a CEO or a CFO and they tell me, yeah, well, 50% of marketing's good, 50% of marketing's a waste. I just don't know which 50% I'm getting, right? 
Um, to echo what Ray said is it also drives me, you know, crazy that manufacturers tell me it's not my job to market. My job is to educate with product, features, benefit, bingo, as I call it, but it's my channel partner who's supposed to be doing the marketing. Uh, they couldn't be worse, worse off, um, and, and they couldn't be more wrong. Um, today, as we indicated, like you said, 70% of the buying process is over before the buyer speaks with the salesperson, mm-hmm. and 20%, they're just reaching out because they want to work out the final details. They've already made a decision. So why not be part of the conversation early on? And if your website is a virtual brochure, um, I, I, you're not getting the ROI. No wonder the CROs are angry, right? What you need to be doing is talking in the voice of your customers about the problems that you saw for them. Those are the terms they're Googling. So call me crazy again, sales guy talking about marketing, but, um, I did stay at a Holiday Inn Express once, and you know, I think what we should be doing is putting voice on our websites, the way our customers speak and solve their problems. Well, I, I love that, and I'm going to echo that because the one thing I tell my clients is, if you're going to be doing your SEO, ask your clients what are the terms that they use on Google when they're thinking about you. Ask your clients, this is how, if you were to describe me to somebody that didn't know who I was, how would you describe me? And use those words because we need to speak in the language of our clients. We need to speak not in technical data, not in, you know, te- you know features and benefits. We need to talk in the language of the client and the mediums of the client to be able to use that. Because let's face it, 70 to 80% of the people that are viewing your product for the first time are viewing it on five square inches or less. They're on their phone. And if we don't have a marketing strategy that that is addressing, making sure that people can view your material and understand your value to them on that mobile device, you are so far behind the curve, it's ridiculous. So the next question, and it, it leads right into that, it says, the world's changed. Good, bad, ugly, whatever you want to call it. We're not going back to the way things were. December 2019 is gone. You know, the first quarter of 2020 is gone. You know, we need to move forward. So the question is, where do you guys see marketing? You know, how is it differentiated? What does good marketing look like going forward versus where it was, say, six months ago? What is, what's changed and how do we have to change in terms of our marketing? to be able to make sure that we're effective. And Ray, I'm letting you go first this time. Well, thank you, Ben. Uh, (laughs) You know, I I think what happened, um, the whole world, everybody, stimulus response is is what we're seeing. And absent a crisis, um, businesses and people respond in a a certain way. You build too much inventory, you take your time, you get on airplanes because they're cheap. Guess what? Uh, We're Every business on the planet is facing constraints, and that constraint is I can't I can't do what I used to do, mm-hmm. uh, but I'm still here and I still have responsibilities. And you know, get over the the initial shock. How do you get back to to playing offense uh, in the marketplace? And the these the smart companies, big, small, and everywhere in between, have figured out how to, as you say, get to that five square inches, you know, or the television or, you know, on their, on their laptops, whatever it is, um, and engage with their customers that way. I love that everybody brought up, forget about B2B, B2C, all of that, make it H to H. Because what's working today is, is making your, your client or your target audience feel something based on your authenticity about your business. As Allison said, you know, how, do you, how are we making them feel in, in their language? So the, the smart companies are embracing video. Uh, they're embracing social media and staying with it more than, well, I did a blog post and, you know, yeah. you know that was last month. You know, it's, it's getting in that routine. If there's going to be a routine of what I see, it's, it's going to be businesses using social media and all the tools that are available and getting getting in the conversation, get getting out there uh, and being heard in an authentic way. I think that's 
uh, that's forcing, forcing a lot of hands that absent COVID, a lot of companies would have still tucked in and uh, stayed back and waited to see how this uh, whole social media thing was going to play out. You know, it's decisions made, you're in or out. Yeah, and I agree with you because social media is got to be a two-way street. There, there are way too many companies out there that throw stuff out on an auto program and say, okay, here's my, here's my 16 posts. They're going out on Facebook and Instagram, on LinkedIn, on Twitter, whatever, and I'm just going to send them out on a daily, weekly, or monthly basis, and then they're going to forget about it. Oh. But if you don't have people that are listening to the responses and responding to the responses in real time, you've completely lost the, the, you know, the advantage that you've created because people are interested. If people are responding to your social media, they're interested. And if you're ignoring them, they're going to go find somebody else. So Mark Roberts. Okay. Allison, you go first. No, I didn't mean to interrupt, but being social is not just talking at, but listening to, and then talking again. So it's, it's, it's a, it's an ongoing two-way conversation. So what you said is spot on, you know, the people that are, um, and, and that was the thing too, good, effective marketing. It's not about paying for a thousand likes or being able to show that, uh, you know, you got X amount of impressions this month. That's a metric. But I think when it comes to what is good, effective marketing, what does it really look like? I'm of the Seth Godin school. And I believe it's spending the time and money with skill to tell a story that spreads, that influences people, that changes actions. Right? No, so I love that. Say, build a better website, like Mark talked about. He and I both know this firsthand. It's like, it's not a, a tool. That's not what marketing is. It's not tactics. It's a bigger, it's your whole promise. It's how the, the experience you create consistently over time. And that's social media is part of that. And to answer your question um, quickly, what's changed? I honestly don't think marketing has changed in, in four months because that's what I believe what I just said. That's what I believe it is. What I think has changed is what Ray said. It's how quickly you can adapt Mm-hmm. to with the tools and tactics the way that people are consuming information now that's all and if you're still moving at the speed of a giant oil tanker and ha- uh, you know decision by committee uh, sorry but you're fucked I, I mean that's you know that's my yeah, two- that's marketing lingo that's right marketing lingo that, that's technical marketing technical lingo. marketing that's technical marketing lingo. something yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, what are, what's your thoughts on this? Because you know you 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 are a lot closer to social media than a, than a lot of people on this. Room. I mean, we're, we're all heavily into social media, but you know you live, breathe, and diet. So, give me your thoughts on, on where your thoughts are on what's changed, how has it changed, and where do you think we should be going? Sure. This, I mean, this is a great question. And, and I actually like kind of going towards the middle and the end, because then I can kind of feed off some of the answers and, and build off them. So if you need someone to continue to, to pick up the rear, happy to do it. But um, I'm going to echo a couple things that were first said. So Ray, you mentioned getting into a routine with social media and this is, or just with marketing in general. And this is something I was talking to my sales counterparts about right off the bat saying, Hey, now that you're stuck at home all the time, schedule an hour on LinkedIn the same way that you would a sales call. Put it on your calendar. Say yep. you're going to be on there from 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. and then get out of there. Like you don't want to spend all day on there, but you want to go on there, hopefully post some meaningful content, and then bend to the point that you and Allison were making, respond to that save time. So after you get into doing that, you also have the opportunity to go back in and talk to your potential customers, your leads, people in your partner network, whatever that is, you know, continue that conversation because that's what it's all about. It's about that two-way dialogue. And this is where I'm gonna go next with my answer. I think the one thing that has changed is as we can't do as much face-to-face stuff in person, we need to find a way to compensate uh, for that by doing that digitally. 
Um, I'll give an example. One thing I've been doing is virtual happy hours with people in my own industry community. And I think that's extremely important because we've been talking about humanizing. We've been talking about the human element. We've been talking about the two-way dialogue. This is a great way to make up for the fact that, you know, a core marketing activity four months ago was going to trade shows four or five months ago. Like that we need to find ways to compensate for that with, you know, collaborative Zoom calls. And I see a lot of people doing Zoom calls that are kind of like a hangout session or still a one-way webinar dialogue. The biggest thing I would say is make it a two-way conversation. Sure, have a featured guest on a Zoom call with, you know, 20 of your customers, but give all of the people that are on that call the chance to participate, whether that's with a Q&A or whether that's in little breakout rooms after the fact. So that's my answer. Taking those social media habits posting, responding, and then expounding upon that by adding that humanized element to virtual engagement. Yeah, I, I love that, Chris, because we are, we are really are a social beings. And I find that that's the one thing that's missing. You have all these virtual events, but they're all talking heads. And, you know, and we're, we're guilty of this. We're, we're a bunch of talking heads right here. And, you know, and, and hopefully we're, this is going to engage a lot of people and people are going to contact us and be able to ask questions and, and we're all going to respond to them. And I think it's important, but, you know, as a professional speakers, I speak around the world. What we found is when we've gone digital as, as where I've, where I'm no longer in front of 500,000, 2000 people, I'm having to do this digitally my speeches have become way shorter and I'm spending far more time on questions and comments. I would far more like to engage the audience and be, allow them to ask the questions that are relevant to them and allow them to talk to each other in, in the chat rooms, allow them to have that ability to engage than just be a talking head. And I think as businesses, we need to facilitate that. We need to find technology that will allow the building of the virtual communities because I think that's what people are missing. And the businesses that can figure out how to create communities of their raving fans, their tribe, in Seth Godin's words, are going to be the ones that are going to, you know, that are going to thrive. So Mark Roberts, oh, Mark Roberts, I want to hear yours. And then Mark Mitchell, you, you can clean, a, clean up this statement. Yeah, it might be a little controversial, but here goes. Um, I love who controversy. Owns, <laughs> who owns the voice of the customer in your business? If you have a marketing department, I challenge you that it's marketing. And unfortunately though, when I work with your salespeople, they're saying value propositions that might've worked 10 years ago, but they're simply not true today. They're actually damaging your brand. Mm -hmm. um, and in the last 90 days, think about how much has changed. And I was just coaching a salesperson. I get to listen in on sales calls, which is fun, but also disturbing sometimes. And the guy was talking about their volume discount in container loads. And after the call, I quickly called him and I said, wait a minute, you, you know, right now, you know, we're, we're in COVID right now, right? Yeah. And you know that people are reducing inventories because cash is king. And, but you're leading with a, a value proposition about tying up their cash. I've never had anybody say that to me before. Mm -hmm. So my advice is, Marketing owns the voice of the customer. When's the last time you did a value proposition audit? It's not that complicated. Um, you know, I'm going to be talking in one of these episodes about how 20% of your profit, I'm sorry, 20% of your customers represent about 300% of your profit. So what if we just called those 20% and asked them, how, is, how has this changed? How has marketing changed? How has um, your problems changed? What is there any new criteria uh, that you're making decisions with? Has your buying process changed? And then equipping our teams, our sales teams with messaging that resonates and a process that works. Um, again, let's take the mystery out of this and add a little bit of science, right? So uh, again, I, I really want to emphasize that marketing needs to own the voice of the customer. And that's always controversial because I have CEOs telling me all the time, no, 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 my salespeople. No, I want marketing to understand the language of our customers, the problems that they have, and I want them to feed really good, rich case studies and content in not only the voice of the customer, but the voice of each buyer persona. 
And, and I'm going to challenge you on that because I agree with you and I disagree with you because the problem is a lot of marketing people live in the cloud. They spend their entire life in analytics. They spend their entire life guessing games and sit there going, okay, well, it should be like this. Instead of actually going out there and talking, oh my God, God forbid actually talking to a customer and finding out what really is the language of the customer or, or you know, going alongside a salesperson and having that conversation. And I think that we really need to be able to sit there and have our language in the actual language of our customer, not what we think the language of our customer is. Correct. So I think that that's, that's really an important thing. And I think that marketing, as it says, at your point, has to be able to create a series of content that is absolutely shareable. It's easy for to people to share. Here, here are Facebook posts. Here's LinkedIn uh, messaging. Here's Twitter feeds. Here's, you know, here's, here's, you know, as you said, here's position papers. Here's whatever. And have all that place in a shared folder somewhere that anybody in the company can grab and put up on their social media feeds. Because what that does is it gives that consistent brand message across mediums and across gr groups. So I love what you're saying, but it's it, we we as marketers have to think that we don't we we can't assume that analytics know everything. They're a good indicator; they give us they give us good hints. But we still need to you know take that information and cross reference it with actual conversations with our clients when we're building good content. That's a key point. Yeah, Mark Mitchell. Yes. So I. Um... The, the thing I, uh, in, the, in my clients' bill of material manufacturers, I always joke there's too many old white guys in charge, okay? <laughs> so they're, they're like, they're kind of set in their ways. And so the exciting thing is this coronavirus uh, challenge uh, is forcing them to relook at things, mm -hmm. okay? And so, you know, so an example is one of the things that I, when I work with a company, I'm reviewing their marketing budget, how they spend their money, and and I and one of my pet peeves as many times is they they spend or over reliant on trade shows, so they'll spend if it's a small company with with no money and they're going to spend at least fifteen thousand dollars for this little booth in the corner, you know, for two and a half days, to you know that hope somebody comes by, you know, and then if they're a larger company spending hundreds of thousands of dollars, it's the same thing. Two and a half days you've got to do, to do whatever you're going to do. And, you know, when you have, for example, a, we really understand digital marketing, websites, SEO content, social media, all those things, you now have 365, uh, 365 days, 24 hours a day presence in front of these customers. And so the old white guys now, they can't go to trade shows, right? They're, the trade shows are all canceled, at least, you know, for, you know, for now. And so they're going, okay, well, either can just put this money in the bottom line, or maybe there's a better way to spend it. So they're, they're waking up to that. The other one is they're starting to recognize a difference in ages. So I had a client um, a couple months ago contact me and said, okay, Mark, my challenge is half my salespeople are older and they don't understand social media. They don't understand texting. Uh, they only understand personal face-to-face -face meetings, phone calls, and emails, right? Then half, the other half is younger people. And they don't understand the value of having a face-to-face -face call or even a phone call, right? <laughs> because they can do everything. They're looking the most, the quickest, most efficient way for them and for the customer to get the information. It's like, how do we get both teams to understand, you know, the when is a phone call or a, a person, person meeting a good idea? And gee, yes, you know, older white guy, you can answer a text and that's all the customer needs. Like, can you ship this by Friday? Yes. Yes. <laughs> I don't, you don't, they don't need any more than that. You've helped them out because you got them the answer. They can go on to something else. And so I just see that it's, it's an exciting time right now for companies to step back. They've, you know, they've been forced to reevaluate their marketing. And I hope the smart ones are going to recognize the shift toward digital, you know, and some of the other ones are either just going to sit and wait till trade shows come back or printing literatures or, you know, and, or printing, you know, uh, uh, print ads in magazines. Oh. You know, th those are some of my pet peeves that, and, you know, they're for some companies, they're the right thing to do. But for most yeah. companies, when I say to a company, why aren't you doing more with social media content, SEO, for example, um, 
you know, they'll, they'll look and say, well, we, we don't have enough budget. And I say, well, gee, you spent $150,000 on this trade show for two and a half days. What did you get from it? What really did you get? Right. And it's almost always nothing, you know. Well, and, and, and I agree with you. I mean, we need I think the old, old old white people have to be able to mentor the younger people and the younger people need to mentor the older people because exactly everybody has something to add to the conversation. Everybody can can give the other person another another way of looking at things and leadership that facilitates that are the are the companies that are going to win. Because right. sometimes a trade show makes sense. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes right. an article makes sense. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes a huge social media pr- push makes sense. Sometimes it doesn't. You know, and it's a matter of looking at it as an overall strategy of who are your customers? Where are they? How do they consume information? What's relevant to them? And building a communication strategy, an overall communication strategy that takes all that t- that into consideration. So I agree with it. Companies have to sit there and say there are no more sacred cows. There are there are no, you know, just because we've always done it that way doesn't make means that it's relevant moving forward. And we need to start thinking that way and say, okay, how can we do it better? And the more people we can get in a room or a virtual room to be able to sit around and talk and say, listen, we've got a hundred years of experience in here. You know, some of you guys have less, some of you have more, some of you are, 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 are digitally savvy, some of you aren't. I want to hear everything. Let's hear everything. Let's And let's talk about it without judgment and figure out how can we utilize all this strategy, all this information, all this knowledge to be better as a company. And I think that that's the, those are the companies that are going to survive and thrive. Now, the next person I want to go to is Mark Roberts because the next question is the, the job of sales and marketing is growth. Our job is to help drive the engine, try to make success, three, five, 10X a company, you know, allow it to scale. And you just had a social media post that went through the roof. And you know, it's not the fact that this particular post went through the roof, it's the messaging behind it and why you think that, that it was resonated so much because it comes down to, you know, how do you grow a company and how do you, how do you get people thinking in a different way? So Mark, I want you to quickly tell that story because I think it, it hits the hammer right on the head. Well, it was on the weekend. I was looking at my cell phone, checking some social media, and there was an interesting article about this school teacher. She gave every child in her class a balloon, asked them to blow it up, and she asked them to write their name on it and throw it in the hallway. And then they had to go out and they had five minutes to go out and find their balloon. And none of the kids were able to do it. And there were probably hundreds of balloons, right? Hundreds of balloons. Hundreds of balloons. In the post that I did in LinkedIn, there's a picture of the hallway. And then what she did was she said, okay, tell you what, stop. I want you to reach down, pick up a balloon, and then give it to whoever's name is on it. Within two minutes, everybody had their balloons. And what she talked about and what she did was draw an analogy between this and happiness and serving others and the joy that you can get from serving others. And that's actually my thing. That's what really attracted me to first want to speak with Allison and Ray. Um, My passion is serving others, helping people, genuinely helping people. I've got a lot of critics though on LinkedIn, right? I might publish something out of Psalms. I might publish something out of the Bible. I might give some inspirational quote from a famous author and people just, have the need to interact with me. Let's just put it that way. Um, However, I I posted this in the spirit of just giving somebody a trick, a technique to feel happy in this challenging time. As of this morning, it's been viewed 77,000 times. It's been shared, I don't know how many thousands of times. I have 250 comments. People are reaching out to me, wanting to connect with me. Strangers, people that I've never taught or I've never met with. So I really backed up and I said, what just happened here? Well, one of the courses I teach is storytelling. So the way this person wrote the story is brilliant because it's in the form of the hero's journey. Um, And if you're not familiar with that, you know, we don't have time, but. Think of the Lion King. Yeah. (laughs) And um, it had a really good visual. But again, it, it resonated because of what, like what Allison said is, how did it make you feel? And my challenge is to everybody, 
I want you to take some of your marketing and give it to your children, give it to your wife and ask them, how does this make you feel when you read it? Cause you know, it's the Maya Angelou. People will forget what you said, people will, you know, how, what you thought, but they're always going to remember how you made them feel. And I think well, that that's, that's where we need to move forward. A big part of my work is with manufacturers and their dealers, distributors, channel partners. And it, what happens to be a little bit of a niche of mine is helping salespeople who grew up as engineers. And we need to teach them that storytelling, that, that messaging in the form of a story so that not only does it resonate, but it's memorable. The shame is a lot of manufacturing companies believe marketing should be bullet points and factual. But if you study how people buy, they buy based on feeling, they justify it with data. I couldn't agree more. Allison, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Uh, well, God, perfect segue, because <clears throat> that is the cornerstone of, of every bit of the work that we do and why we're called felt. Um, because your brand isn't just seen or heard, right? The, the most beloved brands are felt. So the whole point and, and what Mark said is true. People, it's fact. People make decisions to purchase, uh, decisions in general, but especially to purchase. Um, I've heard different percentages here. So we'll call it 70 to 90% of the time uh, based on emotion. Yet, uh, and again, I can only speak to manufacturers, but there are many other kinds of companies that do this too. Why are we only tapping five to 15% of the customer's decision-making brain with features and benefits and, you know, how old we are and how many trucks we have and look at our stacks of lumber. It's not motivating. That's not how people make decisions. Um, and, however, you can point this out and the percentage of people that actually change is very small. So that has always been baffling to me, but that is truth and that is science. And so I think, my God, if you want to scale, you want to grow, pay attention to that, tap into that. Um, and and my, my belief is stop trying to be everything to everyone. Mm -hmm. If you want to grow your company three times, five times, 10 times, it is possible. But, you know, and trying to say everything to everyone, like every manufacturer I've ever worked with and and Mark is gonna chuckle at this um, you do an ad for them and and let's say we're gonna do an ad series they want to kitchen sink it every single time this has been going on for 30 years that I've been in doing this and I'm trying to tell them people can't retain every single nut and bolt that you sell in one ad you've all seen those kind of ads they don't work and there's no call to action so, you know, the, the, the breakdown of an ad, that's, my God, I could do a whole series just on that. But the point is, stop trying to say everything and say one thing. Focus on that one thing. Um, a lot of people that I work with also feel like they sell a commodity, commodity product, right? Well, we sell, we sell um, uh, gravel or we sell drywall, you know, it's, it's, yeah, it's six, one, half a dozen, the other, our, our product's pretty similar to our competitor. They're much bigger than us. Um, and, and my thing is this, stop treating your company or your product like a commodity because the most important thing is the experience that you bring. And if you create one, that's not like anybody else, people can't get this anywhere else, but with you, that is how you're going to scale your business. So it's much bigger than just marketing, um, and that's coming from a marketing person, right? It's got to be this bigger mindset. Well, I love that because it's a difference between, say, we build houses to we build your home. Right. You know, it's having that emotional attachment. Yep. You know, and people sitting there going, why should I care about you? And I love that, Allison. That's great. Ray, you're you're up. You know, we had Allison and I had the privilege of talking to, uh, having a guest on uh, on the podcast, uh, yeah, the other day, uh, Darren, Darren. Uh, Darren Mitchell. Oh yeah, Darren and, on the show. Oh, perfect. Oh, what an He's awesome great. guy. Oh, what a, what an awesome guy. And he pointed out something. It's like you know what? All all the facts and the data and everything is known and shared and available. And the majority of people, when they're confronted with it, aren't going to do a damn thing about it. 
And, and in fact, we're, uh, I think, going to be the first ones to feature Darren's top 10 reasons why uh, manufacturers are going to ignore uh, good advice about what's going forward. So with all due respect to those that are, that are listening to this that might be kicking tires or whatever, you know, I get it. But none of this is going to work unless there's a, there's a commitment from the top. Um, there, there has to be that buy-in. You got to come off the goddamn sidelines and, and suit up and we're in the game and, and we're going to do this because part of it is going to be, um, there, there's a recurring theme, whether it's, um, marketing and communications as a tool that's going to get your business to that next level. I got news for you. I consult with manufacturing companies all over the world on everything from sales strategy to operations op- optimization. Uh, through technology implementations, and guess what? Every one of them will fly into the ground if there isn't commitment from leadership, and if you don't build the muscles you need to build to to establish uh, communication skills internally and externally. If you don't figure out how to actually engage with your own staff or engage with your own customer in a way that they understand, you're going to fail it no matter what you try to do. It's it's a fact. We. We've all been sold shortcuts over time to say, well, just overlay this thing and you won't have to actually do that messy thing by talking to anybody. Uh, it'll, it'll take care of it for you. And then watch how it pisses everybody off or it doesn't get used, you know, is, is the thing. So, you know, where, where we are right now, if you're serious about wanting to grow that 3X, 5X, or 10X, it's, it's, you really got to get good at that two-way communication thing. You know, listening to your customers, engaging, getting your staff involved. A lot of times companies, uh, leaders, they, I'm not going to ask because they might tell me something I don't like and I really want to go down the path of this project and said it'd be fun. Okay. You know, there's a, there's as much a readiness assessment as anything. How ready are we to get to next? Maybe there's some foundational work we need to do while we're, we're building up. And, and the notion that, well, the growth is going to happen slow and steady. I got news for you. I've, I've seen more hockey stick growth trajectories uh, due to well thought out and executed planning. It doesn't happen by accident. It's a plan. You got to know what your baselines are. So you, you can do it, but only the people that want to do it. If you're in there, if you're, if you're half-hearted, you're going to fail. I guarantee it. Wait, I love it. Really I love it. Please, how do you really feel? And another thing, I'm from Chicago. Let me tell you another question. <laughs> Mark Mitchell. So, um, so I'm, I'm getting a little lost here. So, so uh, what is, what question are we on? Right the, now? Que- all right, the question that we're on is, is, you know, now that we've, now that we've talked all over this point is if you are going to give people one piece of advice to three X, five X, 10 X, their business, you know, what is the one thing that you would do to help people, uh, help people scale? to just go all in digitally just rec- just recognize the power of of their of their website of SEO social media content SEO sharing get as chris was talking get all of their employees on board everyone is a thought leader you know as like, i've never met a person i didn't learn something from and, you know, and I'll sit, you know, with a salesman that sells roofing and I'll go, you know, you have a lot of expertise. You should be sharing this, you know, whether you're writing a blog post for your company, recording a video or doing something on LinkedIn, you know, every, you know, every one of your experienced employees is a wealth of knowledge Absolutely. That, that their customers could benefit from. But so many people feel, well, I, I don't know. You know, and I just think back to, you know, I'm going to say 2012 when I started my blog, it was intimidating. First, I was afraid I'm going to say something somebody's going to disagree with. And then one of my mentors said, Mark, if somebody doesn't disagree, you're not trying hard enough, right? <laughs> you know, and, and you just had to build up this confidence and start to learn. And I think, you know, back to Mark Roberts's mindset, if you have a mindset about I'm trying to help a customer make the right decision, okay, which may not be my product. Okay, but and so they'll, they'll read into the trustworthiness and genuineness of that. And I just think um, that that most companies in the in at least in building materials don't recognize fully the power of the, the digital world. I love it. Chris, you want to put a bow on this? 
Absolutely. So from my standpoint, how does marketing help with growth, whether we're talking 2x, 10x, whatever that amplification might be? The number one thing in my book, and this is probably from my perspective as a sales guy, is action-oriented content. Now, I always have a call to action at the end of my videos, and I'll give an example that came up earlier. We were talking about trade shows earlier, where it's uh, an investment. It's a five-figure investment to have a trade show. Now, we're having virtual trade shows, and guess what? That investment is still the same amount. It hasn't gotten cheaper. To have a booth at a virtual trade show, it's still five figures. And I was recently attending one, and it's these booths are basically glorified brochures at the end of the day. Like we're True. talking about websites as brochures. Talk about, you know, you've just spent $15,000. I think that was the number someone threw out earlier to have a virtual brochure within this virtual event. There are easy things people can do, and that's creating a piece of action-oriented content to introduce someone to their trade show booth. For example, a one-minute video that says, like Allison was saying earlier, you know, focus on one thing. If you were to spend, you know, one minute here, five minutes here, this is the first thing I'd recommend you do. And maybe I guide you somewhere after that at that point. But creating some sort of direction for your customers, your prospects to go. So that way, once that piece of content is out there and it's getting likes and shares and views, it's actually directing the type of activity that you're looking for. I love it. Love that. <clears throat> All right. Well, it's time to wrap this up. Yeah, we've, we've, we've walked this thing around and there's an amazing amount of content that's come out of this. And I can't wait for next week where we do leveraging data to stop selling naked. I love the title of this thing. <laughs> But before I let everybody go, I want to go out to you one by one, and I want one sentence. What's the one thing you would do to help people move the needle? Ray, you're first. Wow. The one, the one thing. Uh, starting today, even if you had zero budget, I'd, get a, I'd start calling my key customers. I would, I would get them on the phone, get them on Zoom, and, and just start asking, not, not as a commercial, start asking questions about them, about their business, about how they are uh, coping, how are, how are they, what do they need uh, to be able to grow? Um, I think there's a, there's a couple of things that come as a result of that. It's sort of the Hawthorne effect, uh, just by virtue of the leadership of an organization reaching out, actually engaging one-on-one, -on -one, taking the time to, to listen and ask about them the feedback that you're going to get from there is is going to inform what you need to do next it's 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 going to tell you hey here hey we've moved from you know buying this way or that way or while we love that your sales guy comes by every 3 weeks we'd really appreciate it if you stepped up the EDI thing so we could you know get better at uh, at doing some automated type things and you know it's You'd be, you'd be shocked what happens when you actually talk to your customer. And if you're serious about taking that next journey, your first step is get on the phone with your customer. I love it. Mark Roberts. Yeah, I'm going to stay on that thread. I mean, it's part of my so-called secret sauce, but call your customers and clearly understand how do they buy, why do they buy, and why they don't buy from you. And actively listen. No filter, no biases. If you can't do it, and a lot of people can't, hire somebody that will and have them to transcribe the calls. You will get more insights in 20 phone calls than any of the feedback you're getting from your salespeople. I love that. Chris. All right. I'm just going to give you a long run on sentence so I can cover three things. <laughs> but number one. Just add some commas in there, okay? <laughs> one, one A. Exactly. I can't visualize the commas on, on camera like I could with the – with the air quotes, but anyway, so number one is go where your customers are. You don't need to be everywhere. Focus, if that's on LinkedIn, if that's in your in, in their inbox, pick one or two spots to start before trying to take on the world. Number two, I've said it before, humanize your brand and do it with action-oriented content. And then finally, Marketing is everyone's responsibility. This is not just a marketing department's role anymore. If we, if you want to scale your marketing efforts, if you want to scale your company, grow your business, it's everyone's responsibility to share that content and have those conversations. See, that's one sentence. As long as you can say it in one breath, it's yeah. one sentence. Yeah. 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 I'm going to need a drink of water after that, but yeah, I'm feeling <laughs> good. Brilliant. Mark Mitchell. 
uh, I'm probably following along on the same theme I'm hearing. In, in, in my experience, I see sales and marketing people have excellent, usually product knowledge. And maybe they've been, they're, they're been trained in selling, okay? What they're always missing, almost always, is knowledge of the customer, okay? And, and so I'm reminded of um, Mayor Ed Koch in, in New York City and how he would be, to me, I always think of him as the person that would walk down the street and to everybody that he ran into, he would say, tell me how I'm doing. Like, as opposed to like, aren't I doing a great job? Like we hear maybe politicians today. No, he was looking for, tell me how I'm doing, right? And so I, I see, I'm always telling CEOs and senior people, you need to be in contact with your everyday customer, not just your 20 biggest that you take on a fishing trip or something, you know, you need. And so I will see occasionally uh, like GAF roofing, um, I go to the uh, big trade show and there's the CEO and his whole mission is he wants to talk face to face to roofing contractors. He doesn't care how big you are. He doesn't care what you buy, whatever. He's trying to get his own knowledge together. So then when his sales and marketing people come and say, we should do this, he, he has some knowledge about why do they think that's right. And so I think that, that just expanding your knowledge of the customer um, is the most important thing you can do and regularly be looking for feedback. You know, I'm reminded of years ago, Procter & Gamble um, used to, they would, they record every phone call. Somebody calls that 800 number on the back of Tide or Crest toothpaste and they comment on something and they used to make cassettes of those and give them the senior executives to listen to in their car on their way home. It was a way to be in touch with the everyday, what are people calling about, right? And too many senior people insulate themselves from like, oh, no, that's not my job. I'm, I'm, the, I'm the VP of this or whatever, you know, and they, they insulate themselves from who the real customer is. So that's, that would be my recommendation of how to, you know, get it, make things happen in a short order of time, very cost effectively. Yeah, it's amazing when we stop making decisions based on filtered dashboards and actually sit there and listen to the end customer and listen to the employees who are actually doing the job. It's amazing the intelligence that we gain. And I, I love that. I love what I'm hearing from everybody. Allison, Queen Bee, our fearless leader, person who brought us all together, I leave the last word for you. All right. I'll leave it with one long run-on sentence. Thank you for opening that up, Chris. If you're playing possum, waiting until the COVID clears, stop it. Makes me think of the Bob Newhart episode on Saturday Night Live when he was a therapist. And whatever the problem was that the person across the desk had, he'd say, stop it. <laughs> so that's my advice. And once you do that, it, it's there's one thing that you should do. Do everything in your power to make it easier to find you, to buy from you, and to share the experience. Period. You know what? That's a phenomenal place to stop. Everybody on this panel, Mark, Mark, Chris, Allison, Ray, you guys have been a wealth of information. You've been amazing. You've been giving. Thank you all for putting such incredible thought into your answers. Next week, we're going to be back together, same time, same place, 1 o'clock Pacific, 4 o'clock Eastern. On, you know, and the topic is going to be leveraging data to stop selling naked. So I look forward to joining you all again. Somebody else gets to host this thing. You know, and people get to beat me up for a reason. So thank you all. I look forward to being with you again next week. Let's have a great day. Hey, thank you for listening. That was kind of fun, wasn't it? Something new. I got to say, a lot of gold in that episode. I mean, just personally, one of my biggest takeaways is from uh, Mark Roberts with that whole idea of a value proposition audit. I have a feeling I will be using that in the future. With so much info and so many panelists, if you want to connect with anyone that was on the panel, make sure to check out the show notes page at manufacturinghappyhour.com slash game changers. You can find everything we discussed there and a link to everyone's LinkedIn profile. 
Now I'm going to keep it short before we wrap for the week. If you have any feedback from this episode, again, this is kind of a new format. I don't know how often we're going to do it here on Manufacturing Happy Hour, but tweet me your feedback at MFG Happy Hour on Twitter. Or if there was a takeaway that you found particularly valuable, would love to hear what that is and make sure to tag us. Again, that's MFG Happy Hour on Twitter. And that's it for this week. Next week, our next edition is going to be focused on leveraging data to stop selling naked. If that sounds confusing, if that sounds intriguing, whatever it is, make sure to tune in next Friday for the second edition in our Sales and Marketing Game Changers mini-series. As always, thanks so much for listening to Manufacturing Happy Hour. Stay innovative, stay thirsty, and we'll see you back here real soon. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Manufacturing Happy Hour. Powered by the Industrial Network.